And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of High and Wide Full Circle. This is the show where myself, Jack Smith, and my friend Steve Ferrari, we talk about all the comings and goings in the NHL, particularly the Metropolitan Division, and we bring it all full circle back to your Philadelphia Flyers. And we also discuss uh, anything we really feel like and have a couple of deep dives on any subject we see fit. Steve, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, congratulations. Um, that's right. Yeah. I haven't put it on Twitter like yet. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I won't spoil that then. No, that's probably by the time <laughs> this gets up there, you know, even if I do it. But yes, uh, Jack underscore HW Radio, um, emphasis on the underscore, is having a boy. Yes, especially <laughs> a boy. Uh, check out Twitter. I'll show you how we figured it out. So. Enough about me. Uh, we'll get into it. Not a whole lot going on, but let's go over what has gone on since we last talked. First on our, my notes here, Flyers made a little signing. Um, Eric Gustafson, one year, $3 million. Also, Derek Pouliot. That's more of an AHL deal. Um, what was your initial thoughts on this move? Um, I was actually a big fan. I mean, he... Gustafson is a guy that's not far removed from putting up a, a pretty significant amount of points uh, from the back end. He's a he's a puck mover, which uh, I'll always take a puck moving defenseman over a stay at home guy. Um, I think it's a very low risk, high reward type of type of deal. And the other thing that I could see this being a prelude to is a, a potential uh, ghost trade. Uh, I think they play a similar kind of game. Gustafson, maybe a little bit more of the veteran uh, mindset, but um, it wouldn't shock me as if uh, his signing is um, the just in case that they do trade Ghost, then you kind of replace his uh, what he brings to the table. Um, so I like it. Any one-year deal that you get for a reasonable price, I, I can't really be mad at. Um, so I'm happy with that one. It fills a spot on the back end after Niskanen retired and hopefully it bumps a guy like Hag down to the seven spot for the time being, or maybe even Braun, um, where you can showcase him and maybe ghost and you, you add, you add a new element to your lineup, uh, up and down on the back end. You got puck movers kind of everywhere, ghost and him are playing. So I like it. I, I'm a big fan of it as it stands now. So I definitely don't dislike it. Um, when we say the Flyers signed Eric Gustafson and I, first off, and we talked about this on the other show, I love that it's one year. The exactly. reason we didn't bring in TJ Brody or anybody like that was that those guys wanted no movement clauses, which means Seattle draft rolls around. You got to keep those guys. And we have too many good prospects that we have to hold on to. Not even some guys are already on the NHL roster and we can't be tied down to somebody. So I get it. Uh, but one name that you said might be Gustafson would be replacing was Ghost. And it, I completely agree. They're identical players. However, the guy we needed to replace was Matt Niskanen. And <laughs> yes. now I understand, again, you can't just you can't commit to certain guys past certain years and what have you. Um, do I like Gustafson? Yeah, I mean, he had a very good 2018-19 campaign. Uh, just a quick look over his stats here. He first played with Chicago 2015-16. In 41 games, he had 14 assists, no goals. Next year, in less games, he had five goals, 11 assists. Started to see a little bit more power play time. 
18-19 is where he really broke out. Seven, he had 79 games. He nearly scored 20 goals, 17 goals, 43 assists for 60 points. 60 points. You hear that a lot about Ghost in his 65-point season and how that has been carrying him even to today. Uh, the next season, he played 20 less games, six goals, 20 assists. That's a significant drop-off. But, uh, but keep in mind there, that was when they changed from Quenville to Jeremy Colleton. And I think Colleton changed some stuff up, and I don't believe Gustafson was seeing as much time on the power play. So take note of that uh, to, in the difference for the year-over-year stats. That, yeah, and you could be 100% right about that. He was also <laughs> traded to Calgary, played seven True. games to finish out the season, three assists with them. Um, I, it's such a kind of a small sample size. Like his, you got to figure those first two seasons, he was just making his way into the league. Chicago wasn't exactly a, uh, a playoff team anymore. They were just kind of hovering. They were kind of like a playoff bubble team that was on the downside, downslope, trying to, you know, retool to get back into it. And I'm sure in that 2018-19 season, he was a part of that. They kind of slipped a little bit last year, but you could be right about Quenville. Um, yeah, I, I really don't know what we have here. Uh, from what I read, he's not very good defensively, which kind of hurts. Do we want to ghost on this team? Not really. It feels like we're going for broke on offense. <laughs> Do you view him as a top four defenseman in any way, shape, or form? I I don't think I do because it with so I'm gonna caveat that with Provorov, I want a guy in the mold of Matt, Matt Niskanen that is going to let Provorov kind of play his style of game and not have to worry about uh, staying back or uh, not have to worry about pinching and having a two-on-one go the other way. Um, Provorov needs a guy that will basically be his uh, complement, that's going to let him do his thing. I don't think Gustafson's that type of guy, just like I don't think Ghost would be that type of guy. Um, I think you want a little bit more of a stay-at-home guy with Provorov, just so he's kind of comfortable in doing what he does. We saw it, I believe, two years ago, and he just didn't look like the same Ivan Provorov we knew that he was. And I think that's because he felt like he was had to do a little bit too much and change his game to cover for the guys he was playing with. Um, then he plays with Niskanen, and he feels a lot more comfortable, and that's where you really see him blossom. So I'd be surprised if they pair those two guys together, but you never know. Maybe they have a little bit of chemistry. Um, I think uh, Gustafson would be perfect for a, like a, a Braun or a Hag. Um, and letting maybe Myers hop up and then Sandheim with Ghost or Gustafson, kind of along those lines. So you kind of balance the balance the lines out uh, as far as puck movement. Um, you got some size all across the board, and then you let Provorov, who's your top guy, go and kind of do his thing. Um, so that's kind of what I how I see it playing out. But I would be surprised if you're going to see both of those guys in the lineup, uh, Ghost and Gustafson, on a nightly basis. So do you think that Fletcher in his mind, honestly, was like, all right, we can't. And I agree with half of this. We can't make any long term commitments. We can't do a whole lot. If we can't get the line A deal, I'm putting Gustafson in and this is our team going forward. Or do you think he's really pushing for whether he's got to wait it out or figure something out and get creative? Is he trying to still do something else besides line A? I'm going to say it's a little bit of both, which I think is what makes a GM a a good GM. You have to plan for both what you currently have 
and what you might be able to do, but you can't put all your eggs in that one basket because there's someone on the other side of that deal that still has to say yes and you have to come to an agreement. So I think it's a kind of a cover your ass kind of thing where if we can move one of those pieces, at least we have a guy we can slot into the lineup that's still a puck mover um, that trends the way the NHL is going. And you're not stuck with um, kind of all stay-at-home guys. So I think it's a, it, it's kind of a delicate balance that he's trying to find with that. So the last thing I'll ask on this is um, I know with the flat cap, it's going to be tough. And we're already seeing it with certain players and certain teams. But the addition of Gustafson, Ghost has already been rumored to have been and flat out been told they're trying to move him or looking at deals. Uh, what are the odds or percentage you put on him getting moved now that they added a pretty much identical defenseman to him? I'm going to say it's probably slightly better than 50-50, especially if Ghost is healthy come the beginning of next year. Uh, I think he's going to have a 15 to 20 game sample size to prove um, that he is healthy and that he's back to being the player that we saw the, the way he was moving in the playoffs. And then I think that's where the Flyers can get a good gauge on his value and if they'll be able to move him and his salary for anything that's worthwhile. Um, I'm not one, and I know we've talked about this, just to give him away to give him away. Um, but I think if he can rehab some of that value in the, that sample size, Gustafson slots in perfectly on that third pair, and you don't have to worry about uh, losing Ghost um, and not being able to fill him with a similar type of player. I think you already have that in-house. So it, it, I think it's it's that that sample size of 15 or so games, and then you can see where you're going to go with them. Yeah. Um, I thought he might have gotten moved before Niskanen retired simply because they needed the space. They were so tight up against it. And we'll get into this, but some of the contracts that were signed, some were more than I thought, some were less than I thought. I pretty much had the ones that got like uh, – Hag would apparently, if I'd have just read the rules, that wouldn't have been too big to figure out. Some, <laughs> yeah. You know, but you know, Elliot was less. I thought we didn't have to give him a two-year deal to get that 1.5. He signs a one, Same. and we'll get it. I'll just jump into it now. Nolan Patrick, they get him at what 874,000 for one year. I I know he has technically no leverage, but being the number two overall pick, I thought it'd be some leverage. I I guess he's just down to earth and it understands like, yeah, I didn't play a full season, so I'll just hang on here and figure it out from there. So it just worked out. And does ghost get moved now? Uh, I don't see how, unless we make some kind of big move, because even if you move them just for salary cap reasons, well, who are you going to fill with that space with that money? You going to sign somebody who, who are you going to sign? You know, who's left, you know, yeah. like, Maybe they still trade for Alec Martinez. I think it would have happened by now. I, I don't see it being reasonable. Uh, I thought they would have done that and not sign Gustafson, but they signed Gustafson, and that's it. So um, I don't. I definitely like the player. Uh, I just for what we needed in our needs, it felt like an NHL video game move where I just took the best defenseman available at the time regardless of need and just said we are, we're down a defenseman let's add one the one-year deal thing was smart and i could really care less what they pay him because it's one year and i like that he didn't trade for and i keep bringing this up uh but didn't trade for um the uh, vegas defenseman that went to vancouver oh, Nate, schmidt, yeah. Nate schmidt 
uh, because that was if they did that, that would just be so stupid. Six million for the next five years, and you got to protect him. And it's just like he, you've heard of the guy; he's not good. He's definitely not for, he's not six million dollars good. Yeah, is he a borderline top four defenseman? Maybe, maybe six million dollars and a five year commitment. Come on, man. Like let's not let's kind of go stupid because we're worried like that. I'm so glad he didn't do that. So it might sound like I'm a little unimpressed. Um, I'm more so happy he didn't do that. And this is just kind of the fallout of what was left. And I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, they uh, they, yeah. they were in a weird spot where you you have guys coming up. Uh, you got the expansion draft coming. So you, I, I sometimes, like I said, I think the last show sometimes the best deal you can make is the one you don't make. And not acquiring a guy like Schmidt, not giving a guy like TJ Brody a no-move clause. Like, you have enough. It, it doesn't look great for one year, for this year. Um, you'd like to add a little bit more fuel to this team. But if it helps you down the road, I think that's where you got to balance um, now and for the future. And, like, the one-year deal, no, you don't have to deal with a no-trade clause. I, I'm going to be okay with it for now until – and you can always do something to the deadline. Look, if you move Ghost. Maybe you bring in Martinez with the, some of that return or something like that. So there's always something else that can be done at the deadline. But don't hamstring yourself by giving a guy four years in a no-move clause and then losing one of your better players down the road. So I'll follow, I'll just say, you know, Nolan Patrick signs. Uh, what percentage do you think he plays this year? I mean, I want to go bold and says he pl- say he plays – let's say 75% of the games, but until I see him out there for a game, I, if 50, 50, that even plays this year. Yeah. There's one thing for sure. He will, uh, he will not play 100% of these games. I know that for a fact, like, because even if he comes back, you know, he's going to like have to miss a couple of games, especially with the season being so condensed and the back-to-backs, like there is just no way, no way. I, if he, if he comes back at all, um, I see him. If he played 50% of the games, I would take it. Yeah, you know, I, I, and I mean, it, at, at that salary, if you're getting half the games out of him, that's I would say that's a win. Yeah, and it's just his situation going forward is going to be odd, to say the least. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Sure. Um, and finally on the Flyers, do you think – where are you with line A? you think they've, they're going to revisit it later, or do you think it's over because – I think Winnipeg should move him because they can't. They don't want to pay. I don't think they want to pay him. They're not they exactly do. going for it this year. I don't think they should pay him. And then the closer we get to the trade deadline, I think he's going to lose value. He's oh, got yeah. most value right now. He is and he isn't because right now you're trying to build a team going into next year. So you're under the salary cap constraints and everything. Um, so, yeah, if, if a team trades for him now, they get him for a full season, but they're also on the hook for his full cap hit. So as you get closer to that trade deadline, his cap hit decreases, and some teams might be able to make some moves. Maybe someone gets hurt. They're on long-term injury. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that can change with that. Right now, I think Fletcher has made his best offer, and I get the sense that the uh, Jets want more. And I think Fletcher, he's pencils down at this point. If you're not going to take that deal today, 
I'm not going to offer you anymore. Um, that I, I could very well see them revisiting it in midseason if the Flyers are in need of a, another scorer, which I, they, I think they will be. Um, but I think right now, unless something else changes from the Jets' end, I think he's going to stay a Jet for the season. So let me ask you this. There's two things I want to ask. One, I was, and I'll save this for a second, is what do you think the deal offer deal was? But two, you said – they want more pieces. Do you think it's more pieces or do you think it's a certain piece like a Sandheim or a Konechny or a Myers or something of that nature? I think so. If, I, if I'm the Jets, I'm not making this trade unless I get Sandheim uh, or Myers. And I don't think the Flyers is giving up Myers. Um, I need Sandheim and then I need a Morgan Frost or a Joel Farabee and I need a pick. At minimum. And I think line A with that deal, let's say it's a first, let's say it's uh, F- uh, Farabee and let's say it's Sanheim. Does that make your the Flyers a better team going into the season? It makes them a better goal scoring team. But as a whole, I, I love and maybe it's my bias towards Sanheim. I love what he is. I think he really blossomed this year. You saw a lot out of him playing with Myers. I think he's going to be a star in this league. But but him if he does become a star, you're also going to have to pay him. And that might get them in a bit of a cap crunch with Provorov. Myers is going to need a deal. Um, that's hard to it's hard to pay a lot of guys on your back in that much money because it's taking money from elsewhere. Plus you got Carter Hart coming up. So there's a lot of things that are going on with Sandheim as much as I like them. If I could deal them, I don't know, man. I, I, overall, if I'm dealing Frost and Sandheim, it probably makes the Flyers better. But if I'm dealing Far- Farabee, Sandheim in a first, I, I just don't know from a full team view if it makes them better. And here's the other thing. Maybe Vigneault is saying, I don't – like, I like the team the way it is. I would love to have Line A, but I don't think he fits my system quite the same way as some other guys. So I think that's something to take into account, too. Just how much does Vigneault want a guy like him? I mean, every coach wants a 50-goal scorer, let's be honest. But the way Vigneault coaches, maybe he sees some deficiencies in his game that's going to be hard to make up in his system. So, gun to my head, I'm going to say no Line A trade happens before the season. But I could definitely see one happening in season, especially if the price maybe drops a little bit because of the the terms of his deal. Um, and maybe he gets off to a slow start. I'm going to say at the end of next year, line A is not a flyer. Not a That's flyer, not a jet. I'm sorry, not a flyer. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be on the flyers. Okay. You think he's with the Jets or he's with just another team? I think he gets moved, but I don't think it's going to be to the flyers. Okay. Yeah, it's one thing you brought up, and I have thought about this. After everything we discussed previously about Gustafson and about losing Niskanen, if we're going to go move another defenseman for a forward, now we're really in the hole. Yep. And yep. It, where this trade made the most sense for me was before free agency, like the day after the draft. Because then you could reposition and maybe you do sign and commit to somebody because you don't have to protect Sandheim. Exactly. Uh, and I'm sure another piece goes back that you were probably going to protect like a Frost or whoever. And, uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was made more sense. Now that we're past all that, it just 
I, he's probably going to play it like, do I want him? Sure. But I have a, a certain point I'm not going to go past. And while we all want the big shiny new toy, I kind of get it. That being said, Lane is good. <laughs> he's he is. young and he's good. But it totally yep. – the Vigneault thing makes sense too. He's a defense first guy. And Lane, he's been a little bit – I mean he plays better defense than what people like to say. But he's no stud. But he'll never be anywhere near the sulky or anything. <laughs> so, I mean – it's tough because I really would love uh, a winging, a scoring defense or a scoring winger, excuse yep. me. And that's why I wanted Caulfield so bad. That's why I wanted Gundler so bad. Uh, apparently, Forrester's supposed to be pretty good, play similar to a guy like John LeClaire. So that's fine with me. Uh, <laughs> but we'll see. That's all down the road. So, I mean, it's just interesting, you know, because we're at a weird spot with our team right now. And I, Two months ago, pretty much before Niskin retired, I did not see this coming, and that flat cap is really killing us. But it's killing other teams a little bit worse. So we'll jump off the Flyers. We'll go to the rest of the Metro. We'll start with the Rangers. Uh, They did sign Anthony D'Angelo two years. That's $4.8 million per. I'll be honest, it's a little bit more than I thought he'd get, but considering it's only two years. uh, But he he was very good last year, so I I, I definitely can't hate it. I I think that – if I can jump in on him. I think the number is a little high. Because they wanted to give him less years, I wanted. I think they wanted to make sure that his head screwed on straight, and he got over some of the issues that plagued him in the past. And last year wasn't an anomaly, so I think it's an overpay for two years on the money. But if you can figure out what he is in those two years, uh, it'll be worth it. So I, I think it's a perfect deal for both sides. Um, obviously, the player always wants more years, but um, I think it's a, a win-win for both. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, and I'll, I'll bring up why I, I do think that what the Rangers are doing is a little strange. That's not one of them, though. Uh, Giuseppe, one year, 700K. I, he's a you know a tweener. Like he could be on the NHL roster one day. He'd be with the yep. AHL team next, if there is an AHL season. Georgiev also got less money than I thought. Only 2.4. I mean, yeah, it's more than Elliott. He is going to be the backup, but he's not really the backup yet. We need to see more of the young kid. So I, I thought he'd cash in a little bit better than that, but he's still a restricted free agent though, isn't he? Uh, yes. So maybe that, that I'm sure that's what had something to do yep. with it. But yep. I, I mean, I'm guessing after this contract, he's no longer a ranger cause he's going to want to cash in. You would think I'm, I'm not if, saying he gets 8 million or anything, but you know, and six, if you if you're is the guy, they're not going to pay exactly. what, and he's actually kind of in a perfect situation. After that deal runs out, the cap should be going back up again, and he can probably cash in on the open market for way above value just because teams are going to have more money to spend by that point. Maybe that's why both of these guys, D'Angelo and Georgie, have scored two-year deals. So yep, that could <laughs> that be makes, it too. That makes a lot of sense. Um, they still need to sign Ryan Strome. Um what did you think of Ryan Strome? Because I remember him with the Oilers. He was traded to the Rangers. He This past season – he played a little bit better than I expected from him. Do you think that's the coaching or the teammates and the lines he was playing on? Or do you think that's him coming into his own a bit? Um, I remember he had a pretty hot stretch there for a little while. Um, he went on a bit of a tear, and I think he was playing on the top line with uh, Zabinajet and Chris Kreider. Um, he's a guy I like, but I only like him so much. And with where the um Rangers are given the fact that he can play center uh I I wouldn't hate to bring him back 
Um, I would love to see them give him like a, I mean, for their team, I, I think he'd be perfect on like a two year, like $3 million deal. Um, and then maybe he can make some money on the back end of that, but I'm not really going to commit a ton of money to him. And in the, 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 the environment we're in now seeing what some guys are actually signing for, I can't see him getting a ton of money, um, in a, in an RFA deal. So I like him and I think he fills out their lineup well. And given that he can play down the middle, that's their biggest need. Um, so he probably slots in as their second line center. And as an RFA, you got to sign a guy that's slotted for, for that, uh, that position. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to see it say like a two for three per, uh, at the end of the day. Okay. And then finally, Brendan Lemieux, he's had his issues, but they do see something there. Um, I, he's definitely staying with the team. I just, you think it's a short term, think it's a bridge. I'm going to say that he, he gets a bridge deal too. Um, his numbers have been kind of going up and I think I could see if he gets a little bit more of an opportunity, um, I could see him being a, a little bit more of a point producer, but I don't think the Rangers are going to commit much to him. And I think his best bet is to try and um, boost his value a little bit by playing on a better roster. Um, so I could see that being a one-year deal, or I could even see him taking two at like a one seven five, maybe two at two, something in that range. All right. Um, yeah. The, the odd thing is, and I know they got a lot of uh, dead cap space numbers, like almost what thirteen million yeah. between certain guys. Um, they they still have almost eleven million dollars in cap space. Well, you know why? Because outside of their top four forwards, nobody makes over a million bucks. And it's like, why did they feel the need to cut Lundqvist? Like they could have rolled with it and had no cap hit, you know, for the next four years or whatever it is. Plus, you're already paying Shattenkirk six million. I'd love to say it's out of respect for him, but five and a half million is a lot of a lot of respect for a guy. Yeah, I And I just don't. Were they planning on doing something with all this money? The only thing I've heard is they were, they were first they were going to trade for Jack Eichel, which is ridiculous, and then the offer sheet Barzell, which feels like a threat um, more than an actual thing. Uh, I just I don't know. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like I, they have I mean, all this cash space for what? Maybe it was uh, it, them looking towards the season and seeing. Um, Maybe there's a team that wants to trade a guy that has a higher cap hit, um, like a center that that someone wants to move that maybe is still making uh, $8 million in that range that they just want to get off of the books. And they'll have the money to acquire a guy like that where not many teams in this environment will. So, yeah, you're paying or you're taking the cap hit for five and a half for Lundqvist, but that got two and a half off the books. So if that lets you acquire someone just because you have the dollars, Maybe that's what they were looking towards. Yeah, and theoretically, it makes sense. And I think the Devils are a team similar to that, maybe even Columbus at this point. Um, but we saw Tyler Johnson <laughs> get waived, and, and D- Detroit was another team. I actually heard a rumor that Detroit was going to pick him up and then trade him back to Tampa, retaining salary, but obviously getting like a second-round pick or even a first. Um it's funny, like there's he's got some years on his. I still think Tyler Johnson has four years on his deal, but uh, we just haven't seen that yet with anybody really. So I'm like I'm kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. So at the very least, maybe they'll pay their employees <laughs> with that extra money. <laughs> um, 
Um, jumping over to Pittsburgh, they kind they signed uh, Cody Cece one year, one point two five million dollars. I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Cece. I thought his best years were his early years in uh, Ottawa. He was not very good in Toronto. Uh, it, they don't have a lot of money even after this. They got like one point three million dollars left in cap. I mean, is this just depth at this point? Only thing I'll say is that usually guys coming out of uh, Toronto, uh, after they leave Toronto, they seem to play better. Uh, maybe it's just the pressure there. Maybe maybe him getting out of a Canadian market is going to be good for him. Um, but I think it's the Penguins filling out that Jack Johnson spot that they vacated. Uh, I don't know. They're They're in a weird spot. Well, if that's the case, they definitely they definitely upgraded from Jack Johnson. How much I can't say, but it was still an upgrade. And I hope you're wrong about that Toronto thing because they uh they also traded for Casper Kapanen, so that's uh, uh, just just defenseman. I'm not counting forward. Defenseman <laughs> only. Okay, I feel a little bit better now. Um, moving on to the Islanders, this was an interesting one. They trade Devin Toes, Devin Tays. I do it every time to the Avalanche for a second in 2021 and a second in 2022. He was a restricted free agent. Islander side, this allows Noah Dobson to jump onto the opening roster for the Islanders, and a lot of people are high on him. And I don't know if you guys listened to our show with Colby Cohen. He was big on uh, Noah Dobson. Um, so first, Steve, from the Islanders' perspective, uh, what did you think about this move? I thought it was a bit of a head-scratcher because I've watched uh, Taze play, and I know he's not the greatest defensively, but he was quartering, quarterback in their power play for a while there. Um, and I thought, I thought he really, so he's, I remember him not this year, but the year before coming up, he had a little bit of a cup of coffee and you could see there was, there was talent there. Um, he just had to refine some of the, some of his game towards the NHL level. Um, but you knew that there was that skill there that is really hard to find in the defenseman. So when I saw this trade go down, I was very surprised that a team like the Islanders who, I mean, they don't really have a ton of puck moving guys. Uh, Dobson obviously coming up will will help with that. But I thought it was a very surprising trade for them. I mean, getting two second round picks is nice. Um, but I thought Taves was just coming into his own. And this might be one that down the line, maybe two years from now, um, you look back at that trade and say, wow, how did this guy only go for two second round picks? Uh, I know the RFA thing kind of makes it a little bit tougher on the Islanders. Uh, needing to sign Barzell, but they still had almost nine million in cap space. So I, I like the fact that it gets Dodson on the roster, but I think there could have been other ways to go about that than trading a young guy like Taves. Um, and let's be honest, if you move from the Islanders to Colorado and be on that squad, um, I don't know how upset you'd really be. And he, I think he'll really, I think you'll really see him showcase his talents there. Um, as a second, kind of a second power play quarterback, uh, might have to fight with a little bit with Gerard for some minutes, but he doesn't have to be the guy, which is the other nice thing because McCarr is there. So I think you'll be hearing his name quite a bit. Um, but hey, we'll see what Dobson can do and where where they kind of go from here. But I think that's gonna that's gonna be a loss that they'll hurt they'll, that will hurt them more than they realize. Yeah, no, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. Uh, I think the 
Avalanche made a nice move here because you got to figure, yeah, it's two seconds, but this team is good. And McKinnon will get them into the playoffs and at least a round, maybe even two. So you got to figure these picks are going to be at the end of the second round and they get a nice puck moving defenseman to a team that really needs like not they're not dying for defense, but they could definitely afford to add some defense. That's really good for them. I really like that for the Avalanche. Um, I hope. I'm conflicted because I have Dobson on my fantasy team, <laughs> but but I hope he's a bust because the Islanders are too good. And having if he steps up and becomes like a star or God forbid a superstar, that's really gonna hurt uh, yep. Flyers in the Metro. So uh, I gotta look at it right now for the trade as it is. They got a decent haul, uh, but when I think about who they traded him to. It's not as good as I thought it would be. Um, so yeah, the team going into next year is slightly weakened because I don't see Dobson, even if he does become a good player exploding, uh, you know, next year or anything like that. Um, honestly, I, I think that's a team in Colorado taking advantage of a situation in, on the Island where they see their kind of their lineup, they see what they need to do with, with Barzell and maybe that's, Toss an offer out, and it sounds good to to Lamorello. And then, like you, you kind of stole a guy that you're everybody is looking to draft. So if you can pick him up for two second round picks and pay him a little bit of money now, I think that's a great move for them, kind of capitalizing on a situation that the team is in. It's funny, like whenever I see Colorado make a move, they more so than not are winning the deals, and it's yep. a hats off to Joe Sackick who. Right up until the Matthew Shane trade was being questioned for what he's had been doing. And he waited it out. He waited it out. And they were like, he should have traded him. He should have taken this. He's never going to move him, blah, blah, blah. And he makes that deal with Ottawa, gets a haul. Tough. And he has just been like, I think he won GM, executive of the year, and one year. And he's just been piecing together one hell of a team and doing just a fantastic bang-up job. So whenever I see a deal like this, I immediately think like, I think Zach had just got one over. And it's like on oh, Lula Amarella, of all people, like that's 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 odd. So I, I gotta look at it and yeah, the more we talk it out, the more I'm like, I get what the Islanders are doing and why they did it, but I really like this for Colorado. So ultimately we'll see what happens. To move to the rest of the NHL real quick. Joe Thornton signs with the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs going for that 2011 Stanley Cup. <laughs> that signing right there. Uh in all seriousness, I don't hate it. It's league minimum. It's one year. You know, and uh, with all the back-to-backs that are going to be played this year, I can see him taking some time off and, you know, giving other guys a rest and what have you. Uh, And this is a team that, because they're so top-heavy with all their contracts with everybody, um, you know, your Matthews, your uh, Mitch Marner and those guys. uh, Yeah, it's – I don't hate it. I definitely don't hate it. I, I, I mean, they went out and the, the Maple Leafs said they went out to acquire some grit and they added Thorin, they added Simmons. I mean, they they kind of accomplished what I think they were lacking, but how it all comes together, I'm not sure. But they got older, but they also you, you bring maybe some veteran leadership to some of the young guys, too. So I don't hate it. And like you said, for league minimum. When you have those giant contracts on the books, you got to do something. So we'll see. I think as a bottom six guy, probably, and he can slot into the power play every now and then if you need him, that's a good move. And really, with the expansion draft, they're still in good position. So it's not like they hurt themselves at all. Exactly. Um, So, you know what? That's the Maple Leafs doing Maple Leafs things. 
now a move I really did like, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Senators still were making moves, but they added Dadanoff. And I don't know if they plan on moving him if they're not anything, because he's he's like 31, I believe, or 30. So it's not like he's a 24 year old that they can just grow with the team. So they maybe maybe they hang on to him. I don't know, but this guy can put the puck in the net. Uh, yeah, he's gonna make the team better. That's for sure. Um, it was a nice deal. I did. He was one of the. I did not see him going to the Senators. I thought he'd wind up somewhere else. But what did you think of this move by uh, Ottawa? I think it was great. Great signing by them. They have a bunch of young guys coming up. And you need someone that can play with them, um, give them a little bit of confidence and maybe um, a little bit of leadership. And for three years at five million a year for a guy that scores 30, I'll take it all day long. And I believe the senators were still trying to kind of um, add some salary to, uh, to to their books and they had the room. So I think he's the perfect type of player to fit in see what happens, and at that salary, he's, he'll be so easy to move um, in a year or two if they have to. So I, when I heard that, I was really surprised that that's all he got, and I was I felt like it hats off to the Senators for making a move like that and bringing someone in that can that can score. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not 100% sure if there is a new move or trade clause in that deal, but I actually was – I couldn't remember how much he made and how long it was, too, to hear three years at $5 million. I'm like, $5 million? Like, Yeah. The goofball Flyers paid McDonald five million for five years. And these guys get a thirty goal score, and it's only three years. Like, yep. great move. Even if they are not a playoff team, he's e- that's easily well, maybe not easily because of the flat cap, but it's still movable. Next year, so year after, have, they can get something for him, no problem. Right, and that's just it. Like, they don't have to move him at this year's trade deadline, and they could have him next year or wait to the third year of his deal or whatever. They have options, so. I'm really jealous of that move. That's a smart move. Uh, we'll just touch on a few guys in, who are still available, uh, such as Mike Hoffman, Anthony Duclair, and Anthony Anthonyu. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I love Hoffman. I, he would look. The Flyers would connect to this guy. There's no way he winds up on the team right now, even at a one-year deal, because he's going to want six and a half plus, maybe even more if it's only a one-year deal. I don't see him touching that Taylor Hall range, but this guy also can score. And he can score in bunches. Um, I'll just say in a whole, you know, declare he's his own agent. That's not helping his case, if you ask me. Uh, people have issues with his defensive play. Uh, and Anthony Siu, who um, I had talked about with the other guys on the other show, and they liked him. I like him too. But when you're putting up numbers with a bad team, I, I don't exactly want to jump out and acquire you. Did I want him? Sure. But like – once you get put into a winning situation where you're expected to produce and you're playing with it's just a different core group of players and maybe you're either lower in the lineup or whatnot and you're not seeing as many minutes as you're used to, your numbers fall off substantially. The Oilers acquired him. He spent time playing with Connor McDavid and they didn't even feel the need to bring him back. These three guys, where do you think they wind up? Do the Flyers have any realistic interest in any of them, even if they made some kind of trade or moved somebody's money off the books? What do you see with these guys and anybody, if there's anybody out there I did not mention? Um, those are the big guys. Uh, Sammy Vatten still out there, but his injury history, I think, is a little bit murky, um, which is pr- why he's still on the market. Um, Hoffman, I agree. I think it's going to be a one-year, six, six-and-a-half mil. Um, I would love – Love to see him on the Flyers playing with a guy like Kevin Hayes. But unfortunately, unless you can ship that ghost salary off, 
um, and maybe make another move before the season. They, there's just no way they're fitting him in. Um, Duclair, again, I like parts of his game, but then you see him disappear. He went on that hot streak where he was scoring every single night, and then he basically didn't score for, I think, like 10 or 12 games, something like that. So his hot and cold streaks make me wary of committing any type of years and dollars to him. Um, if it gets close to the season and he's unsigned and he's looking for a one-year, two, three-million-dollar deal, I wouldn't hate it. Um, again, he's the type of guy that if, if he's on a lower deal, you could probably deal him if you had to. Um, Anthony Siu, look, the guy's got all the speed in the world. And on Detroit, he was playing on some bad teams. And here's what I say, and I, I say it to people in fantasy, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if your team's bad, you're still going to score goals. And someone's going to score goals. And it, your best player or almost best player on a bad team is going to get all the top minutes. They're going to get good matchups. So let's be careful of how much stock we put in a, into a good season for a guy like that. Um, I wanted to see him do something with the Oilers and playing with those guys, and it just didn't seem to work. Now, here's what I'll say about him. The way he forechecks and his speed, I could see him being a really good fit for a team like the Capitals and with LaViolette um, and just utilizing his speed, telling him, go forecheck your butt off every single shift, make something happen with that, and, and take it from there. Kind of like a... Uh, his name's escaping me, the Carl Hagelin type of guy. Um, just go skate your butt off for a couple shifts and see if anything happens. Um, but I think he's going to settle in like the one and a half or so range on a one-year deal, see if he can rehab his value. I don't think any are realistic options for the Flyers where they sit. Hoffman, I'd love to add, but I think they are kind of what they are at this point. So, Anthony, see you. Keep an eye on maybe to the Capitals if uh, if a guy like uh, Laviolette kind of likes the way he plays. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they, that move is already made if that team doesn't need to move out salary. Mm-hmm. It was yep. interesting to see them move, uh, the Oilers move Sam Gagne and two second round picks for just a cup of coffee with Anthony Ciu, and he just he just was not up to snuff. So. That's, the, that's the GM seeing that speed and trying to match what McDavid does on the ice, but that just didn't do you think it'd be a match? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. we talk about if Taylor Hall were still there, and it's just kind of like what went wrong? Like it's it's McDavid. How could you not play good with the guy? I got and you ha- you have the one asset you need to be successful. It, I don't know. That's very strange. Uh, but then again, these guys are human, so whatever. Um, so with that, we'll jump into our deep dive. Um, we're gonna get back in the Metropolitan Division, and we figured, hey, why not start at the bottom? New Jersey Devils are the team we're going to go with this week. Uh, we'll just briefly go over what this team has done. Uh, they currently have $17.2 million left in salary cap. They added uh, Corey Crawford on a two-year deal. They traded for Ryan from the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's a intermetro trade. Those aren't always, you know, they don't always happen, so that was interesting. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov was signed for a $1.5 million for one year. Uh, they did give up a, a 2021 fifth round pick for Ryan Murray, which really isn't much. Was Murray a free agent or he have a year left? Because that that is cheap. For I think he had uh, one year left. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think he was that bad. To give up a fifth for a guy. I think that was them moving some salary to try and sign Hall. 
if I recall. Wow. They, they got, I think Columbus has a, has a lot of money in salary cap. If like, I know they didn't really do nothing with it. Uh, yeah. Murray's at 4.6. So I think that might've been them trying to position for him or weren't they in on Petrangelo too? Yeah, but I mean, at some point, doesn't this team have to see that they're not a realistic option? They have almost 13 million salary cap available okay. this year. Okay. Like that's a lot. So I don't know. What do I know? Maybe there's more coming. Who I don't think so. At least with Columbus, but we'll stay with New Jersey. Uh, they lost John Hayden, some restricted free agents. Uh, they got Nick Merkley, Jesper Bratt, and the greatest goaltender of all time, Mackenzie Blackwood. <laughs> uh, Steve, just your your general thoughts on the New Jersey Devils, just their direction as a franchise. Because before I let you answer that, they did let go of their head coach and they brought in Lindy Ruff, which to me is more of a guy you would have to win now. He seems more of a win now coach. Yeah. Um, even either that or he's just the game's passed him by. It's one or the other, in my opinion. Um, and at the GM position. They have Tom Fitzgerald now, who I honestly don't know a whole lot about. From what I've seen, I've liked his move so far. I particularly the Corey Crawford move was a smart move. Um, but also they they released um, Shiro. Oh, Ray Shiro. Uh, yeah. Ray Shiro, yeah, Ray Shiro, yep. yeah. Um, who I thought was a goofball. I mean, he does technically have a cup with the Penguins, but you had Crosby on your team in his prime. So I, um, yeah, so like. You know, uh, you're just your thoughts on. Yeah, you're right. They did buy out Corey Schneider, but your uh, your thoughts on the direction of the team? I think they're in a weird spot. They're they have money to spend. I, I did like the Crawford addition. Uh, I was kind of surprised he left Chicago um, the way he did, um, but I think that was a good signing to pair with Blackwood, um, a little bit of a veteran presence to kind of steady him. Um, but they're in this weird limbo where they're. Re- but they, they're, they're, the guys that they picked haven't really shown the level of skill that they might want. Um, particularly, like, Heischer, nice player, uh, number one overall. Uh, I'd like to see a little bit more out of him. Um, Jack Hughes last year, that was definitely some growing pains. He needed to get bigger and, uh, bigger and stronger. Um, at times he looked like a really good player, but you could see he just didn't have the strength to uh, play at that level just yet. Um, but like they don't really have a whole lot going for them outside of those two guys as far as a long term plan. Um, Fitzgerald, I do agree. I think that was a good uh, a good guy to bring in. Um, Ruff, maybe that's a maybe that's them thinking they're further along than they are. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think he's a guy you bring in when you're ready to win. Um, but this team's like, you want to say they're going, their, their arrows pointing up, but I still think they need a lot to go right for that arrow to stay in that direction. And I think it's more like trending downwards, given that they're just not a destination. How do you attract a a free agent to, to the devils when you have other teams around you that can offer similar money and a much better team to play with. So they're in that, like they're not even in the middle. I don't think, I think they're in that bottom section that they don't really have a, a great blueprint going forward. So if I'm a devil's fan, 
I, I, like, I almost want to say blow it up, but you don't really have anything to blow it up with. You so, know, I thought they had direction when they still had Taylor Hall. And it's it's like, okay, now you lost your mega superstar. And I'll just jump right in. Their, their top six right now looks like he sure will be centering Jack Hughes and Kyle Palmieri. And Palmieri's how old? It, weren't they talking about moving him? They were, yeah. I don't think they got the return they wanted. He's 29 right now, so he'll be 30 when the next season starts. Okay, so I won't say he's old, but he's no spring chicken either. Uh, then Travis Sajak centering uh, either Jesper Bratt or Andreas Johnson and Nikita Gusev. Uh, believe it or not, we'll jump into it real quick. I felt Nikita Gusev was a good addition. Um he was acquired for a 2023rd and a 2021 second. And they did sign him to, I believe it was just a two year deal. Um, yeah. Um, how much is he making a year? Uh, four and a half, four and a half million for two years. Two years is nothing. They have 17 million in cap space. Last year, he played 66 games his first year in the NHL. He on a very bad team had 13 goals, 31 assists for 44 points. I uh, did get some power play time. He saw he had five power play goals for 15 power play points. Um, I don't see how you can be upset with that production. I I, I don't know. He's older because he was drafted back in. He was a seventh round pick from 2012 by Tampa Bay. Yep. Um, that's 202 overall. Jesus. You know, I mean, he's he's 28. Um, Honestly, he's, last year when they got him, um, I loved I loved the trade. Um, I, I thought it was a great move for a team like them, especially with Hall there um, to bring in another guy. And he showed a little bit in the playoffs with the Knights. Um, I would have loved him on the Flyers, but the hard part was going to be the salary. And I know that's why he didn't stick with the Knights. And at his age, I can't really blame him for wanting to get a bigger deal if he could. Um, but I think that was that might have been one of the better under the radar moves that was made last season. And I brought this up when we traded for Braun, and I was just like, I know we need a defenseman, but when you give up a second and a third like that, the kind of return I want is more in the Gusev style. He saw he was 27 at the time. Yep. He was young. You know, instead we traded, and I know we needed a defenseman, but we get this like pylon 31 year old <laughs> making what three and a half million dollars so it's not like you're saving money uh, this was one of the better moves made by um shiro i agree that was him at the time and yeah. it, you know he but he but he's a he's a second third line player he's not going to do it all himself plus hall wanted out so is, is he supposed to talk hall into resigning because that's just idiotic so um, that's definitely a bright spot. One not so bright spot is one name that should be in this top six by now and is not is Pavel Zaka. Yep. Uh, sixth overall pick from the 2015 draft. Thankfully, the Flyers were hot on him. I remember that. I remember watching a lot of video on him because thinking, like, we need a scoring winger. Devils took him right before us. Ivan Provorov was our pick at seven. If you're a Devils fan, you got to be like, oh, my God, did we pick the wrong player? Um he has been a little bit – I don't even want to say better compared to where he was at. But he, 2015, sixth overall pick, and he's still in the bottom six. Like he, he just – why is this guy – maybe it's because of 
the players they've gotten partially because of the draft, you know, like they got Jack Hughes now, and now he's just getting pushed further and further down the lineup. He had 32 points in 65 games last year, but is that really 30 points? Like, is that really much? But the, the funny thing with him is like, like the, the eye test for me, when I watch him play, he doesn't stand out. Like you see his name and you think back to the draft and it's like, oh, well, he was picked pretty high. He should be better. And then you watch him play and it's like, I know why you're playing on the third and fourth line. You're just, you're just not that good. You don't make an impact. You're not noticeable when, you, when you're on the ice. Um, I'm going to equate him to someone on the Flyers, and that's Scotty Lawton. Um, Lawton was picked, and he was ta- highly talented and skilled, but he just couldn't – his skill game didn't translate to the NHL. Um, and he took that, and he remade himself into a bottom six player, but he's become an in- incredibly effective bottom six player. So I wonder if maybe a, a good coaching staff might give Zaka another shot in a new system. And if not, kind of say, here's here's where you're at. You're not a top six forward. So either you're going to have to model your game and uh, a little bit differently and, and play those harder those harder minutes. And that's how you're going to carve out a role in the NHL or you're not going to be in the NHL anymore. So I think at this point he's all draft status and I don't I don't see him being a, a top line guy. Um, on any legitimate team, if he's the top six here, it's only because they're they're missing uh, the, the talent that should drive him down the lineup. I think Scotty Lawton was a good uh, comparison because where he creates the most for himself is usually on the penalty kill. Yep, and it's usually it's almost like he's got nothing to lose. Um, he has no issues getting the puck out of the defensive zone, but getting set up in the offensive zone seems to be where his issues lie the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would probably, I, th- I actually like him playing with a guy like Gusev, honestly. Um, he, he needs to do what he does on five on five that he does on the penalty kill. <laughs> and even if he does, I still don't see him being a top sixth overall pick. I think he'll, he's a middle of the road guy at most. Uh, he can, he'll score, maybe he can score 20 goals, 25 is maybe most, you know, and I, even that feels just saying it out loud felt like a stretch. Like, I'm just, I, I, I mean, Jack Hughes would have to turn into something else and he'd have to wind up on a line with him or on the power play with him or something like that for, for really for it to come to fruition. And I just don't see it. I don't, he's been too slow to develop. I just don't have the confidence. Uh, There is talent there. But when you talk about a guy who just doesn't seem to be able to put it together when it counts, this guy he just jumps up at you. Like and, if the Devils said, "We'll give you Pavel Zaka for Scotty Lawton today," what would you what would your answer be? I I would have to say no. Yep, yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. And I listen, I won't lie. I kind of was like, well, <laughs> if we can, because he could shoot. At least he could pre-draft. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he could really shoot. And I'm like. Uh, put him on the wing, and uh, but I was like, no, 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 Lawton's, Lawton's too good in all areas of the game. I can't do it. I can't. Exactly, no. exactly. And it's like, it, and I'm, I'm, in you saying that, I thought back to the draft and not to his production in the NHL, and that, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. So no, and it's, it's unfortunate. I think it's been part of their woes. Their drafting has been part of their woes. So before we get into that, let's talk about their defense a little bit. Two guys that uh, one acquired, one already on the team. 
uh, definitely had down years. And P.K. Subban and Will Butcher, uh, I think one, as you alluded to off air to me, one was the result of the other. Uh, your thought on these two offensive defensemen's uh, down years? Um, Subban just looks like a shell of what we saw, and he's been kind of trending downward for a few years, I think. Um, he's not good defensively. Offensively, at this point in his career, he's kind of mediocre. Um, his skating leaves something to be desired. He, honestly, the $9 million he's making for the next two years, he's kind of an albatross. Um, I don't think there's any way that they're unloading that money either. So I think they're kind of stuck with him for two years, which is fine because they don't really necessarily need the cap now. Um, but he just looked, he looked terrible. And I think that really hurt Will Butcher, who I actually like a lot. I think he's going to be a real good player. Um, playing with PK, and it looks like they're going to be slotted together again, unless maybe they bring Murray up to the first line D. Um, I think that hurt Butcher a lot. And if he, if either Subban maybe bounces back a little bit or Butcher gets a better partner, I could see Butcher having a really good year and, and being a solid NHL player. Like I think he's going to be their first line um, uh, defense pair on their first line de- defense pairing. It's just a matter of who they decide to pair him with. If it's that $9 million in Subban or maybe a defensive guy like Murray um, or Saverson. But I, I think you're going to see a, a step forward out of him this year. And Subban, I think he's just going to father time caught up to him. And I think it's just going to keep getting uglier and uglier. Judging by the kind of defenseman Subban is and his stats, it was really, and according to this, it was the year after he won the Norris. 2012-13 is when he won the Norris, but he only had 38 points that in 42 games. Was that the half a season year? Uh, 12-13, yes. All right, that makes sense. I was going to say, how do you win the Norris with only 42 <laughs> games? Um, so after that, he had his first back-to-back 82-game seasons. He had 53 points and 60. The next two seasons, he had 51 and 40, but he only played 68 and 66 games. He followed that up with an 82-game season, 59 points. Uh, two of those two pre- last years I just said were in Nashville. His last year in Nashville, he drops all the way down. He only played 63 games and 31 points. Followed up this past season, first year with the Devils. 18 points in 68 games. Holy cow. That yep. is a massive drop off. Um, yeah, he is. He's not. He's a shell. Like you said, he's a shell. And his his arrival is what mostly hurt Will Butcher. Um, that being said, I was never all that impressed with these guys. Well, Supan it was. But like we we see what we see in him and um, he's falling. He's just not the same guy. But w- there's no defenseman on the. The devils that I'm really worried about, like he, like it's servicing, like does he bother you in any way, shape, or form? No, I always thought he was going to be a little bit better, but I think he settled into that kind of tweener, uh, middle pair defenseman. That's not going to kill you, but he's not going to do it much for you. Um, that means, yeah, and I mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like that uh, being said. They, there are guys coming. Ryan Murray, I thought was an interesting move. Only a fifth round pick for a former number two overall pick. Uh, maybe there's still something there. Uh, I'm sure Ty Smith will have time with the team next year. Yep. I would be um, surprised if he wasn't. Right, and, you know, so that there's something there. Uh, but until we see them do it, I'm just not too impressed with the defensive team. And it seems a team that's always been known for defense and goaltending. 
the defense backing up the goaltending really has still taken shots at goaltending, but really not putting much thought into their defense. Like they want to be a, they want to outscore guys. And you can see by their, most of their drafting and free agent moves that that's what the team is leaning towards. Um, so maybe that changes. Maybe they get certain guys in there that are better than we thought. They have plenty of cap space, but they don't seem to be doing anything with it. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on their defense? No, I mean, there's to me, there's nothing to get excited about there. I mean, Butcher it can capture that top two role, but outside of that, everybody's just kind of there. Yeah, it's it, kind of there is exactly how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll go on the goaltending. As uh, noted earlier, they felt the need to add Corey Crawford at a very sneaky two-year deal. Uh, he will either be a 1A, 1B situation, I think the 1B, with the greatest goalie of all time, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, not a bad goalie tandem, honestly. Um, but your th- I, w- I want your thoughts because I know how you pretty much feel about Crawford. Well, what do you think he's got left before we get to Blackwood? What do you think Crawford's got left in the tank? Uh, I'm going to say Crawford got overpaid for being 35 years old and the way the goalie market was flooded. I was surprised he got as much as he did. But I think the Devils also needed to bring in someone that could – be that uh, kind of older mentor to a young guy. Um, how much does he have left? There were times in Chicago this year where he looked decent. Um, and then there were times where he just looked like he couldn't save a beach ball. Um, and I don't think the defense in front of him or the team in front of him is going to do him any um, favors. But that being said, for to, to back up probably a, a 23-year-old goalie in Blackwood that had Schneider, but Schneider was up and down. So I don't know if he's ever really had that type of guy. Um, I could see it being a benefit to him, but I'm still not sold on Blackwood. And the thing that scares me with him, like if if you want to argue that he's going to be this really good goalie, and I know people have said, talk, talk about him in the same vein as Carter Hart, that's silly. But if you want him to be a good goalie, you have to put pieces in front of him to – help him succeed. And I don't think the Devils are doing that. And to me, that's going to be a detriment to his future in the NHL. Um, But hopefully Crawford can kind of stave off some of that in the meantime, maybe the, well, you can't do it all yourself kind of mentality um, to help him. But I think it's a good tandem to have, but the players in front of them, I don't think are going to do them any favors. Yeah. And uh... Devils fans will figure it out real soon how much better Carter Hart is, but in the meantime, they can, you know. If they haven't already. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, how about the – we mentioned Ty Smith. Uh, the pipeline, got Nolan Foote. Uh, Nick Mer- is it Merkley or Murley? Uh, I think it's Nick Merkley. I confuse him with the uh, San Jose defenseman Merkley, all the time. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah Nick Merkley. Yeah, and uh, Bob Quist. Any of these guys you see making an impact sooner rather than later? Uh, Boquist, I could see. Um, Nolan Foot, I think, is still a little bit a ways away. And that was maybe a good Mer- move, though. Is that that, the, was he, he, that was the what you call deal with Tampa, right? Uh, the, like uh, Coleman, yeah. It was Coleman, yeah. Uh, they got a lot back for him, which was shocking. And Nolan Foot, he ain't no throw-in prospect. No, no. I, I love that move for them to, to acquire a player like that, even if he doesn't work out, because um, I know there's a kind of mixed feelings on him. But to get him back in that deal was a was a huge win. Um, other than those three guys um, in the uh, on defense, maybe Ty Smith, you'll see. But 
I don't think they really have much that's knocking on the door outside of a couple guys. It's funny because, you know, Nolan Foote was acquired in a trade. Uh, the, I believe the other guys were drafted. I'm not 100% sure. But most of the guys they draft go right to the team because they draft so high because they've been so bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, Hughes and uh, Heischer for sure. Uh, Zaka, I believe, did. You know, I'm sure Blackwood. I'm going. We'll just go. We'll just their last from 2015 to this past draft. We'll give you any notable players that they drafted. And going back 2015, both of these players are on the team: Pavel Zaka, Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, Blackwood is up there with Brodeur in their minds, but realistically, he's he's not on a bad track. So we'll see what happens there. That was a second round pick. Pavel Zaka, six overall, has not been up to snuff. We already discussed that. 2016 first overall or first round pick, excuse me. Michael McLeod, center. Uh, I had no idea. He, you think you said he had a couple of NHL games? I think he's got 21 NHL games. I mean, he definitely doesn't seem like a guy who's sticking around. I mean, is he up and down? Like, I remember wanting him at the time, hoping he would fall during that draft. It's like, we can't be too excited. We wound up with Rustov, and he has no NHL time right now, or maybe a, a game or two, excuse me. Um, you know, but it just seems like this guy's not panning out. Center is not a position they're exactly in need of. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's looking like a miss right now. Maybe he's just slower to develop, but I'll move on. Again, nobody else in that 2016 draft worth mentioning. 27, got one name for you, and that was number one overall pick. And then Nico Heischer, uh, is he a good player? He's okay. I mean, the, the only thing he, for me he's got over Nolan Patrick is he shows up to work. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's really it. I mean, is he an absolute stud? No. <laughs> I know he's not. Uh, could he be? I guess, but it's you know it's been three years now, I'm waiting for him to turn it on. I just it's that draft. It, it, what a weird draft. Uh, sure. Now, 2018. Uh, only name I have is Ty Smith. I actually like this guy. Um, I think if he were there, we would have drafted him instead of Jay O'Brien. Um, he went about three or four picks before, and I I honestly believe this would have been our pick, especially considering at the time. Uh, I don't think Phil Myers was signed yet. I'm, my timeline could be a little off. Um, you know, so we had Sanheim, we had some, you know, but Ghost wasn't looking very good. So we definitely could have used more defense. I know Hextall at the time put an emphasis on defense. We had two first round picks. We had just drafted Joel Farabee. It made a lot of sense to go defense. Instead, we ended up with a project. But I think if Ty Smith was there, he would have been the pick. I like what I've seen so far, or read so far out of time, Smith. Um, he'll be with the Devils next year. We'll see what he's made of. Uh, again, 2019, one name for you, and that's the first overall pick, Jack Hughes. You uh, broke him down pretty well earlier. Seems to need to put some strength on. There were times he looked pretty good. Um, and then this year, I actually like their first two picks in Holtz and Mercer. Um, Alexander Holtz, right wing, Swedish winger. Uh, he's probably going to look to be what Pavel Zaka was not. Uh, one of the best shooters in the draft. Uh, if he's taking passes from Heischer or Hughes, he could he could turn it on. And I think he's got a better shot at it than Zaka. Funny, he drafted only a pick later. Uh, I was unfortunate Dawson Mercer did fall to them, center at number 18. Um, good two-way guy. You could put him at wing. You could put him at center. Uh, and uh, general Tom manager referred to him as a coach's dream. 
Uh, other than that, uh, Shakira Makalagadalan, the uh, defenseman, was easily one of the biggest surprises of the night. It would have been the biggest surprise if it wasn't for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I, I, Devils like his ability to move the puck and clog up passes with his range is really all I got on him. Um, anybody else I didn't mention you wanted to bring up? I got nothing, but when we were going through this and looking at some of their draft picks, it's it, it's really not a surprise to see that the Devils are in the position they are in. Um, you can't have that six drafts in a row and come away with that few, um, uh, that small amount of NHL talent. Um, like like you mentioned, McLeod was up for a cup of coffee with them a couple of times, never really did anything. Um, they have so many draft picks looking back that haven't even sniffed the NHL and probably never will. Um, that's how you put your team in this bottom spot that you need to rebuild, but you have nothing to really rebuild with. Now, how it's great that you get the top two picks or two number one picks in 17 and 19, but like you got to give them something to play with. And Jack Hughes, I still think he's going to be a great player. Um, but I could see him being a guy that kind of just like a Jack Eichel that he's a great player on a team that always is kind of just stuck in, in neutral and never really goes anywhere. Um, he's got to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, but he's going to be, he's the real deal. Um, he's got the, all the hockey sense. He's got everything you need. And if he's just got to put on some size, that's going to happen as he ages. But man, some of the names on here, they're just huge swings and misses. And it's going to put your franchise in a really bad spot um, as, as you keep going. Now, this year's draft, um, I love what they did. Um, the defenseman Shaq, I could do without. I think that's where you take a player that you have, like we mentioned on the last show, that has a lot of upside, but maybe a lot of downside. Shaq's just that middle guy. He's probably going to make the NHL soon, but he's never going to be a star. Um, and I think with three first round picks, you got to go for a star player, um, even if he becomes a bust in that third one. So we'll see what happens, but I don't see a whole lot coming um, for to help this team outside of maybe Ty Smith right now on the back end, especially. Yeah, uh, I feel like Shiro kept his job a bit longer because of the Taylor Hall trade. I mean, he just owned Shirelli. But as far as his drafting has been concerned, if he's not drafted number one overall, it seems like he's doing a lot of missing. And on top of that, I have issues with potentially their development of players. Uh, they just who is really shined? You got That's two number one point. overall, yeah, two number one overall picks, and neither one of them is really taking the reins at all. Um, and you have to go back to before Shiro even, and it's just like who's Zach uh, Parise? Probably the last guy that really took Sajak. the ball by the horns. I mean, but how good is Sajak really? Yeah. You know, Adam Henrique was a third round pick. He was pretty good, but like, where's the star? You know, like where's where's the Taylor Hall that they drafted and brought up? Yep, yep. Like it's just not there, and they're not a destination. So if you're not drafting well, you're not developing well, and you're not a destination, you know. It felt like the one year they went to the playoffs, and I think pretty sure they got bounced in the first round. That yeah. was a big anomaly. They had a lot oh, yeah. of things go right for them, and that was about it. The real team is shown, and their prospect pools is pretty weak. 
You know, and it's it. it listen, it, I, where is this team if they don't get those top two first overall picks? Like they like, might be even worse. And and Jack Hughes, he's going to be a first line guy for a while. But let's be honest, if if they have a a legitimate top six, uh, Nico Heischer's probably not playing on the top six. And remember, um, like Taylor Hall's not there anymore because it didn't work. And he put, yeah. and Jack Hughes was young, but like they couldn't even do enough to keep him around. I know they signed Wayne Simmons, a trader for PK Saban, to like try to, you know, they were the wrong moves. And, you know, now all three of those guys are out there. Simmons is in Toronto. Or I'm sorry, PK Saban's still there, but he's a shell of a former self and he's making not over $9 million. And Taylor Hall is in Buffalo. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, they're going to have to, like you said, though, I really like Holtz and Mercer. Holtz was a perfect pick at the perfect time, and Mercer fell. Not a lot, but he yep. fell to them. And it was a good, those picks were fantastic. And I'm, uh, we'll see. Maybe Fitzgerald has more of a, his finger on the pulse of what's going on here. And maybe we'll see things start to change. They do have $17 million in cap. Do you see them doing anything? Because they seem primed to add a Mike Hoffman, even if it's on a one-year deal, and probably flip the guy at the deadline, if not. I could see them. Like To me, that's how you start to get out of what they're in. Um, you overpay a guy like Hoffman, maybe uh, a guy like Declare, um, give him a one, maybe a two-year deal if you have to, but then you look to trade them. Um, as soon as the calls start coming in, you look to trade them in season. You retain some of the cap so that you can get uh, better uh, pieces back. And that's how you start to build a team. Um, when you're not a free agent destination, you got to overpay. So in this case, uh, maybe you're paying Hoffman $7 million or $8 million for a year. Um, it, should he be making the same as Taylor Hall? No. But in, in this case, they've got the cap to do it. And then you turn around at the deadline or maybe a few weeks before and you say, well, he 50% of what he's got left. And then a team's taking on a Mike Hoffman who's got half a season left at $2 million. So what are you going to pay for Hoffman for $2 million for half a year? That price is going to go way up. Maybe you're getting a first, maybe you're getting a second round pick in the deal. Like JGP Peugeot went for what a first, a second and a third um, because he, he didn't make a lot of money. Now, granted the um, Islanders had to re-sign him, but, but still that's how you turn a team into a bottom dweller into something that actually has some long-term teeth. Um, is a guy like Hoffman going to want to go there and play? Probably not. But if you offer him enough money and say the goal is to move you at the deadline, maybe maybe he's interested. So I, I, I don't see them being true players for anyone, all things being equal. But to overpay for someone, that might be where they end up getting a player um, in order to flip him at a later date. I'm surprised they haven't done it already unless Hoffman wants to get on a contender so he looks more desirable going into the next year. That's my guess. My, my guess is those guys are doing everything they can to find a team that can pay them a legitimate salary um, and not have to go that route. But at some point in the offseason, it might come down to that. And if they've got the money and they can throw it at them, I, I could see a, a guy taking it just to get paid and then – know that there's a good chance he's going to get shipped out anyway. Just looking at their roster, they have six defensemen. I think they could still use another one. Sapan, Murray, Saracen, Butcher, Connor Carrick, and Dmitry Kulikov. Uh, I see 
they could they, you could use another guy. Obviously, I, maybe they just let that ride. On offense, it's Heisher, Sajak, Palmieri, Gusev, Janssen, Wood, Zaka, Hughes, McLeod, Brad. It's, I feel like we're, you're missing two guys there at least. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So defense, Ty Smith will come up. So there's that. Um, on offense, I don't. Maybe some of the guys you mentioned have a cup of coffee, but there's definitely room to add somebody. I don't even yep. care if it's Anthony Siu. Like just one year deal. You could even use two of those guys and they could pull it off and just look to either move them or find something with the team. Find the, uh, um, what's it called? Not experience. Uh, chemistry with with any of your top guys, particularly Heisher and Hughes. Like you never know what can happen. Um, so I don't know. They got a lot going on here. They do seem to have righted the ship a little bit with Fitzgerald, but I'm going to have to see a whole lot more. They're still the worst team in the Metro for me. And that's more so because the Metro is so good. Um, we'll just finish it out with Steve. What is your outlook on this team? Do you see them back in contention anytime soon? And if not, when? I don't see the team as it's constructed, both at the NHL and the AHL level, um, competing in the Metro. I'm going to say, because it's hard to go much further, I'm going to say in the next five years. Um, You've got a lot of firepower in the other teams. A lot of the other teams are really good at the NHL level, but also have players at the AHL level. I mean, it's hard to be the worst team in a division and probably have one of the worst farm systems at the same time. Um, Now that's where like adding Andreas Johnson, um, a move that Toronto had to make because of their salaries. I love that move. I think he's a really good player, but he was also playing with great players in Toronto. So it's going to be an interesting balance to see what he is without some of those guys. Um, But I think that's a good under the radar move for them. Now, you got to go another step further and bring in someone that either can mentor the young players and help uh, Hughes blossom into a really uh, good player. Um, like, I think in a perfect world, he sure is centering um, a second line and Hughes is playing with a top line center, like an Eichel type of guy, um, or someone that can get him the puck in good scoring chances. And that's where you're going to really see him develop. But I can't see this team making the playoffs, let alone competing for a Metro title in five years Um, past that. Maybe some moves will get them there, but they just don't have anything that gets me excited um, to say, hey, that let's uh, let's go watch the the Devils play. And and maybe that's going to be a tough game. Now, the Flyers somehow always seem to have trouble with them, but I don't see them being anywhere near contention in the next couple of years. You see any of the rookies, particularly Holtz, uh, making the team, at, whether out of camp or coming up? Oh, I can't really come up, but out of camp. I could see Holtz making it. Um, the because of the way the off season is, he might get a chance to, um, like everybody's going to kind of be in the same boat. Um, so, with having the kind of the whole season off after the the pandemic, um, I'd be surprised if they don't give him a shot. It wouldn't even shock me if Mercer came close to making the roster and was one of their final cuts. Um, but I could definitely see Holtz making the opening day uh, squad. That would definitely be a cheaper option if they don't feel like spending money. Uh, yeah, I'm not afraid of the Devils. I haven't been since 2012. <laughs> like, you know, they're just, they're just, 
not doing it right, and they might start to. Uh, I'm not afraid of Mackenzie Blackwood. Sure, he could be good, but he ain't got nothing on Carter Hart. So nothing I've seen from him tells me he's going to be able to put a team on his back and win games. Yeah, and I think your assessment of five years is about right. Um, I don't think Lindy Ruff is the coach when they start turning things around. I agree. Uh, Fitzgerald could definitely be the GM, that's for sure. uh, Blackwood definitely could be the goalie. Uh, and certain pieces elsewhere could definitely be sprinkled in there. They're still going to have issues bringing people in because they've been so bad for so long. Um, we'll see. Excuse me. Right now, for why we compare divisions, if anybody picks a division over ours for best in the league, it's because of the team like the Devils being pretty bad. So, and that's not going to help their case either. So they got a they got a tough road ahead. But uh, I think with this last draft, they made some smart, some smart. Uh, picks. They did have three first round picks. Uh, I think signing a guy and flipping him is a great move for them. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what the expansion brings. Um, other than that, anything else on the New Jersey Devils? I don't think so. I think we covered them. And the, the, this year was kind of that hope, maybe light at the end of the tunnel where you see them add some players that could be good down the road. Um, but they still got a lot of work to do. Um, so we'll see. And guys, that'll do it for the deep dive on the New Jersey Devils. That's going to do it here on High and Wide Full Circle. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Check out the rest of our content, uh, hwhockey.net. Uh, we just had another podcast with one of our contributors. Uh, that was a decent, really good conversation about the defensive pairings and particularly Ghost and the Gustafson signing. Uh, I know on the bright side, they just had Rush Joy on and he he knows the stuff. He does a great podcast himself. He's always good to talk to. Plenty of content here on the show. Check it all out and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.